Welcome to the Queen City Church Podcast. We're so excited that you decided to join us, and we wanted to personally welcome you. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our goal is that this message will encourage you and give you practical steps for a relationship with God that keep getting better and better. Enjoy the message. Today we are in week three of a four-week series that we're calling Beyond Blessed, Beyond Blessed, where we are talking about what the Bible has to say about money. And here's our working definition of this word that can be so loaded at times blessed. Here's our definition of this. It's having God's power working for you. That's what we're saying, like, for you to be blessed, for you to be beyond blessed, what that means is you having God's power working for you. And please notice that that has nothing to do with how much money you have. Like, nothing. It has nothing to do. Please do not confuse that with materialism or some prosperity gospel, because that's not what we're talking about. In fact, really the big idea of this series, kind of the underlying message of this entire series, is that the way to experience that, the way to be blessed, is actually obedience, It's not just hearing God's word, but it's actually living out God's word, that when you put it into practice in this area and any area of your life, you will experience blessing. In fact, Jesus said this in Luke chapter 11, verse 28. He says, but even more blessed are all who hear the word of God and put it into practice. That's because God's word's always to help you. It's never to make your life worse, it's to make your life better. And what Jesus is saying, he said, if you hear it and you actually put it into practice, you will be blessed. Now, a lot of the content is coming from this book, Beyond Blessed, by one of my pastors, Pastor Robert Morris of Gateway Church in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And uh, what what we've decided to do throughout this series is just make an investment into you and to be able to give this book away. And so we have a few copies that are left. This is week three of the series. So if you have not picked yours up, On your way out, you'll be able to pick this up. You cannot miss it. And we wanna make sure we get this in your hands as an investment to you. It is free 99. Like you don't have to pay a nickel for that. So it's on behalf of the generous people of our church. And we just wanna do that because it's a really, really, really good book, okay? So so last week, we talked about a principle that I talked about really has impacted my life. Like it's really shaped so much. And we talked about the fact, if you remember, that God, God is the owner. In fact, if you missed last week, I encourage you to go back and listen to it because this principle has deeply impacted and shaped my life, that God is the owner, that all throughout the Bible, we can clearly see that everything belongs to him. And let me share one more scripture with you that I didn't share last week, and that's 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 26. You can see this message all throughout the Bible because it says, for the earth is the Lord's and everything in it that God is the owner. And this week, if you're taking notes, I wanna talk about a principle that really goes hand in hand with the fact that God is the owner, and it's this, the fact that I am the steward. That's what I want to talk about today over the next few minutes. That if God is the owner, I am the steward. Now, I I don't know what you think about or what pops into your head whenever you hear that word stewardship. It's a solid word, stewardship. Maybe you hear it with like a lisp and like somebody pushing up glasses like stewardship, you know, uh, (laughs) 
I don't know what you think of when you, when you hear the word stewardship, big, solid, Christianese word. But here's my best definition that I could give you of this word stewardship. Stewardship, write this down, is simply taking care of something that is not yours. That's what stewardship at the heart of it really is. Stewardship is taking care of something that is not yours. And if you think about it, that is life. That is life. Like life is stewardship because everything belongs to God. We're just taking care of stuff that isn't ours. Uh, This great quote from Warren Wearsby, he's a pastor. He said this, a steward is someone that possesses everything but owns nothing. I love that. That that's what being a steward is. It's someone that possesses everything but owns nothing. So here's the question I want to explore today. So if that's what stewardship is, it's simply taking care of something that's not yours, here's the question I want to answer today. What keeps us, what keeps me, what keeps you from being good stewards? What keeps us from taking care of something that's not ours in a good way? What keeps us from being good stewards? And to answer this question, I want to look at a very familiar story, especially if you grew up in church. I promise you, you've heard this story. And it's from Luke chapter 15, and it's a story commonly known as the prodigal son. And maybe you've grown up and you've heard that story a million times, but I want to look at it today from a totally different perspective. I want to look at this story today from a stewardship perspective, and we're going to start by reading Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 11. Here's what the Bible says. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. So this is Jesus talking. He said, a man had two sons, and the younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. I'll tell you about that in just a moment. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son, he packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all of his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him. And the man sent him into his, his fields to feed the pigs. And the young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. Now, this son, which we commonly describe as the prodigal son, like he got in a really bad spot. Like what we see is that he's in a really bad spot, not just in life, but he's in a bad spot financially. He's about as low as you can get. But here's what we have to understand. He got there because of bad stewardship. And when I look at this story from a a stewardship perspective, I see three major mistakes that he made that got him in this bad spot. Three ways that he really sabotaged his stewardship. And it's ways that you and I today can sabotage our stewardship. So write these three things down. Here's number one. I see one of the first things is he is wanting instant gratification. That's the first thing I see. He wanted instant gratification. We see this in verse 11 where it says, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. 
And the younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. It's like he's saying, dad, I don't wanna wait. I want my inheritance now. And in ancient Jewish culture, this was a big deal because this was one of the most rude, disrespectful things that you could ever do to your dad because you wouldn't normally get your inheritance until your dad passed away. It's like he was going up to his dad and saying, dad, I wish you were dead. And I want everything that's owed me, and I want it right now. He wanted instant gratification. And instant gratification, it says this. Instant gratification says, I want more, and I want it now. And instant gratification is honestly the opposite of maturity. Because write this down, maturity is the ability to postpone pleasure. That is good. I'll be writing that down. I'll amen myself. I'm telling you that, like, if you think maturity is the ability to postpone pleasures, the ability to say no right now so that I can say yes later. But we live in a culture, don't we, where like we can get whatever we want, whenever we want, as much as we want. We can buy it, stream it, download it, binge it, Amazon it, DoorDash it. Like we can do it all, no matter if we have the money for it or not. And that's why it's so easy to get into debt. And that's why it's so easy for that debt to snowball and to get out of control. In fact, according to a to a report this year from CNBC, the average American adult has over $90,000 of consumer debt. That includes credit cards, car payments, um, student loans, a bunch of stuff. Like the average American has over $90,000 of consumer debt. And if that's you, you know what that feels like. You don't need me to tell you what that feels like. You know that that can feel like almost every day like you're drowning. Like you're just doing everything you can to keep your head above water. It can feel like you are absolutely stuck in quicksand and that like every single time, you're just trying to move forward, but it feels like you can't. It takes so much energy to be able to do that. And day after day, month after month, year after year, and it can feel hopeless. Like every bit of hope is sucked out from your life. And that's why Proverbs 22 verse seven says, the borrower is slave to the lender. And by the way, that's why they call it MasterCard. Like, yes, master. Yes, uh, just because of that verse right there. (laughs) In fact, I don't know that. Some of you are like, really? (laughs) But if you're drowning in debt and you need help, here's my biggest piece of advice is tell somebody. Like, start there. Just tell somebody. Um, There's so many practical steps that you can take. And that was honestly one of my tensions with preparing this message. It's like, how can I in 35 minutes, like, just help people? And it's like, there's so many things that could be said. There's so many things that could be done. And I just don't have enough time to tell you about everything. But the biggest thing that I could say is the very first step is tell somebody. Like, if it's in the dark, 
put it into the light and uh, like refuse to go one more day living with that all by yourself. And practically, you need to know that as a church, one thing that, that we do to really help practically in this area is through our groups. And we have financial groups every single semester. And if you're new around here, we, we don't do groups all year long. We do them in these three little specific sections. We call them semesters. And we're finishing up our fall semester. Shout out to all the small group leaders. You guys are amazing. But we're also next year, as soon as we get into really around February, the first week of February, we will launch a brand new semester of groups. And some of the groups that we're going to have are financial groups. And I'm telling you, if that's where you're at right now, and you're just like, I need help practically, how can I figure out all this stuff? That's why we do the groups that we do. And so if you want to, um, let us know that you would love to be in a financial group next semester when we start back in February. Go to the connection card that Sam already talked about. Pull that out and let us know. In fact, if you write right in the middle, like you can just say it's other. Just I don't care. Write somewhere on it. And just put your contact information on there. We would love to be able to know so that we can have you on a list. If you're watching online, one of the best things that you could do is just send an email to info at queencitypeople.com and just say, hey, I want to know about the next financial groups that we have. Because I'm telling you, that's a way not only to put it into the light, but to get help. And so I just want to encourage you, that is a great way. So what's a way that you can really sabotage your stewardship It's wanting instant gratification. Here's the second thing. The second thing that I see is spending everything you have. That is a surefire way to sabotage your stewardship. Spending everything you have. We see this in verse 13 in this guy's story. It says, a few days later, this this younger son, he packed all his belongings and he moved to a distant land and there... He wasted all his money in wild living. In other words, that he spent everything that he had. Every single dollar he spent there. And here's the truth. You can't be a good steward and spend everything you have. In fact, Proverbs 21, verse 20, it says this. It says, the wise have wealth and luxury, but fools, Proverbs don't mess around with that one, but fools spend whatever they get. Now, let me show you a picture of what this can, this can look like. We, we thought about, we worked really hard on, on this illustration, and I pray in Jesus' name, I do not drop any of this, okay? So just imagine that this represents everything that you earn. So this represents, hey, I have a job, a J-O-B, and I get paid. And this represents everything that gets put into an account or everything that you earn or make. Okay, now we all spend and we we all use this primarily in three main ways. The first is we spend it. Second thing that we can do is we can save it. And then third is we give it. So that's essentially how you are going to use these things, right? Um, By the way, money is like water. If you don't tell it where to go, it's going to go everywhere. Yeah. And um, <laughs> here's what culture will tell you what to do. 
Here's what if you watch all the commercials coming up this holiday season. Here's what culture is going to tell you to do. Is that you spend and spend and spend and spend and then <laughs> save a little bit, give a little bit, come on. It's holidays, we want to be generous. <laughs> and that right there is the message of culture. Is that you need to spend everything that you go and then I don't know, I say, that's not that big of a deal. Give, it's not that big of a deal, but make sure that you do that. And let me just tell you, that is a recipe for disaster. Um, like, like, here's what we gotta understand. You cannot be a good steward. What God has called this to be. You cannot be a good steward and live your life this way. You just can't. But God says something different. Let me put this back in. So it's another payday. God says you don't have to spend your life that way. In fact, before you do anything, he says you've got to have the order right. And he says, because that's not the order. The order actually is this, is that you give first, then you save, and then you spend. And the Bible's very clear that this goes first, and that you, and the, the Bible calls this the tithe. And we, we talked about this last week. So if you missed last week, you can go back. I kind of break that down of this biblical principle of tithing. It's where you give God, it's not just 10%, but it's your first 10%. It's all about order. Because God doesn't need your money, but he wants your heart. And he knows that if you can put him first in that area, that he can have your heart. And so he says, start there. And then why don't you live with some margin and save a little bit and then you can spend everything else. Now, here's the thing. There's certain times of, in life where depending on their stage, you can kind of adjust some of this. But the order always stays the same. That's what's important. And so let's just say that, that you go into a stage. It's one of my favorite stages that we've ever been in. And that's called the dink stage. It's double income, no kids. It's a beautiful stage. And so you just feel like you got way more of this. And so during that stage, or it's like, you know what? We're in position where we can be more generous than maybe we normally are. Or maybe we want to make sure that we plan for the future. And so we're able to do that. Or maybe, maybe there's, there's times where then the kids come and then the second kid comes and Oh my goodness, we weren't expecting a third kid. And then we have that. And so maybe it's, it, it, it's the, the, it changes a little bit. But essentially, what we have to know is that the order always stays the same. And that this is God's plan. And what we have to understand is that this is God's way. And what he designed for like, if you want to be a good steward, live life this way. Now, practically, to experience this, you're going to need a highly technical accounting tool called a budget. 
highly, highly technical accounting tool called a budget. If you wanna be a good steward, you need a budget. Uh, Dave Ramsey says this, he says, a budget is telling your money where to go instead of wondering where it went. And there's so many benefits, practical benefits to having a budget. And a budget will, in fact, I put as many as I could on the screen. And I'll encourage you, you are not gonna be able to, to write this down fast enough. So pull out your phone, take you a picture of this. And it just, I listed 10, I could have listed 30. But these are some of the benefits of a budget. A budget will help you see your finances clearly and objectively. It will remove emotion from spending decisions. A budget will help you avoid unnecessary relational tension and drama. That's awesome. Uh, number four, it will bring unity to your marriage and your team and or your business. A budget will provide accountability. It will help you live within your means, will help you get out of debt, will help you live without debt. A budget will de develop discipline and patience into your character and will help you arrive at your financial goals. I'm telling you, there's so many benefits to this. And if you need just some practical help, here are some practical budgeting resources. And again, like you can take a picture of that. You can see there's, there's three that are online and one's an old school spreadsheet. If that's just how you roll, do it. There's, a whole, there's all types of free templates that are online. By the way, the first one is the one that my wife and I use. And so if you just wanna go check that out, there's apps and there's things. And so I wanna highly encourage you to go do that, that if, if you don't budget, start today. That could be a very practical way to walk some of this out. Use this resources. In fact, check this out in Proverbs chapter 21, verse five. It says, good planning and hard work. By the way, that is a budget. Good planning and hard work. That leads to prosperity. So... How can you and I sabotage our stewardship? One, wanting instant gratification. And then two, spending everything we have. And then three, here's what I see in the story, being unprepared for emergencies. We see it in verse 14 where it says, about the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. So sure enough, after he wanted that instant gratification, after he spent everything he had, that's when the famine hit. And he was unprepared for that emergency. And the truth is, I don't know if you figured this out yet, things break, accidents happen, cars break down, storms pop up, recessions hit, layoffs happen, and like we all learned in 2020, sometimes we experience global pandemics. And if you're financially unprepared when those emergencies hit, I'm telling you, you're gonna be in trouble. And part of being a good steward is being prepared for emergencies. And I want you to know that we take this very seriously as a church, and we have from day one. In fact, from day one, our goal has been to be wise stewards and generous givers. Like to always be aggressive in our generosity, but also making sure that we're doing everything we can to operate with margin so that we can be good stewards. In fact, like, we, uh, like our goal is to always have vision for our church, always. But only accelerate that vision at the pace of your generosity 
and the, and, the, and the pace of God opening doors. And that's how we actually got to the point where we were able to pull a trigger on our HQ property. Some of you know that, that we are right now, we're renovating. We're in the middle of some renovation of, of a building that is on the way to downtown. And actually, we have some pictures that you can throw up there and you can see the renovation has started, purchases are being made, and all this is happening. We're so excited. By the way, this is not where we are going to have Sunday church. So do not show up there on Sundays. Um, it, it's to really further ministry all between Sundays as a multi-purpose type space that we can use for all types of ways and also a team space for our leadership team and our dream team. And so we, that, that's something that we're so excited about. But the reason why we did that, we were actually looking for over two years and we were just waiting. We were waiting and stewarding money and what the resources that God had given us so that when the opportunity came and when the provision came, we we're able to pull the trigger on it without having to do some big building campaign. Like nobody's asking, like you've already given. So thank you. Thank you for your generosity. And that's how we've always done things. And one way that helped us do this is this budgeting principle. Actually, we'll share more about this in Growth Track today if you wanna hear more. But we have this budgeting principle that we always budget 90% of the previous year's income. And some of you aren't math people. And so that was like, oh, yeah, that's cool. You know, but, <laughs> but the people that like think in numbers, you're like, okay, I get it. Like there's margin that's built in there. And this has allowed us to be prepared for emergencies. So when COVID hit last March, and the leadership team and I, we had to make some very hard decisions. And one of those is that we had to make the very hard decision to cancel in-person services. And it wasn't for one week or two weeks or three weeks. It was for 26 weeks. Six months that we were fully online as a church without gathering together. That was a hard decision. And I can tell you there was many, there was spent many minutes and hours and time praying and worrying about you. And I can say with full authenticity that we spent tons of time praying for you, worried about you, literally sitting in meetings like, is everybody okay? We gotta do everything we can to reach out to make sure people are okay and they need anything. But I didn't spend one second worrying about money because we were prepared because we just made a decision. That's how we're going to operate this. And not only did we survive, but because of your generosity during that 26 weeks, during that six months of being fully online as a church, we were able to give over $104,000 away to help people and to bless people and to make sure businesses were going and make sure people were fed. Yeah, we can praise God for that. Come on, we give him all the glory and all the praise for that. That's awesome. So listen, church, listen. God is calling all of us to be good stewards to faithfully take care of what he's given us. But here's the truth. I know with a room like this and people that are watching online, like you may find yourself at church today and like the prodigal son, you're in a bad spot. 
Maybe you've made some mistakes in this area or maybe some other area of your life and you just know, man, I am at church and I'm in a bad spot. I may be smiling on the outside, but I'm dying on the inside. I've got good news for you. Like, cause this guy, his story didn't end there. His story didn't end with him in the pig pen and neither does yours. Listen to this in Luke chapter 15. This is what it goes on to say. When he finally came to his senses, and by the way, that is a perfect description of repentance. A lot of times we have a bad connotation of what that word means, that it's a negative thing, or you picture a guy with a bullhorn yelling at people, like repent, turn or burn, things like that. But that's not what it means. Repent just simply means to change your mind. And when you change your mind, it leads to a change in a direction. Like it's an inside out change. You change on the inside, then it leads you to change on the outside. And that's what he did. He changed his mind. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embracing him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. He just starts going through his rehearsed message. But his father said to his servants, he didn't even let him finish. Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast, a party. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. See, the story, I think we all, if you, if you are familiar with this story, you know that it's often referred to as the prodigal son. But it could be called the loving father because it shows that the grace of the father far outweighs the sins of the son. And by the way, if you've made mistakes, if you're here today and you're in a bad spot, if your life right now is a hot mess and you are in like a really bad spot, this is exactly how God receives you today. Like just like the dad in the story, like he will meet you right where you're at. Like he won't wait for you to go all the way to him. He will come to you and he will greet you with open arms and welcome you and accept you and embrace you. And because he wants to celebrate the fact that his son and his daughter has come home. Why? Because he's a good dad. And in this story, we see this dad who represents God, our heavenly father, we see him running out to his son. And here's what makes that so significant. Here's the thing that makes that so significant because in that day, in ancient Jewish culture, old men did not run. Not because they physically couldn't, because it was socially undignified. 
Like it was improper. There would never be a man that would be that age that would go and run. It was like such a, a, a foul against the status there. So my question is, why did he run? I think one obvious reason is that he loved him and he missed him so much. The fact that he was just looking out the window every single day saying, is today the day that my son is going to come back home? And as soon as he saw him, he went and he's like, I can't wait for him to come home. I couldn't help but run to go see my son. And I think that that's true. I do. I think that that's true. But I also think that there's another reason. Because if you study the Old Testament law, which everybody hearing Jesus tell this story would have known. If you study Old Testament law, you'll see that according to Deuteronomy chapter 21, 18 through 21, you can go check it out. A rebellious son that brought disgrace to his family should have been stoned to death. It was a form of execution where people grabbed rocks and would throw it at someone until they died. According to Old Testament law, that's exactly what this guy deserved. But if you pictured them embracing, like check out this picture. I found this this week. I thought it was beautiful. So if you picture that, that was the scene. I think, yes, he ran out because he just couldn't wait to see his son and he saw him and he loves him so much. He's like, I gotta get to him quickly. But I think another reason why he ran is so that he could get to his son before the people with the rocks. And I imagine the father just saying, come here, come here, come here. And holding him, crying with him. But also at the same time, if people would have started to throw rocks at the son, they would have hit the father instead. And what a picture of what Jesus did for us on the cross, who took the consequences of our mistakes and our sins so that we could have the chance to live, so that we could be made right with God, and so that we could just have the chance to have a relationship with him. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. And before we end today, I want you to ask God and just pray this simple prayer. Just say, God, what are you speaking to me today? What are you saying to me right now? Ask him this. Just pray this prayer. Just say, God, like, what does my response need to be to this message? What's a step that I can take today? And maybe today you just need to tell somebody where you're at. Maybe that's where you're at financially. Maybe it's in another area of your life. I want you to know that at the end of this service, we're gonna have a time where our prayer team's gonna come out and we'd love to pray for you. So if you're here and you're just in a bad spot and you just wanna tell somebody and have somebody pray over you, that's available to you today. I encourage you to do that. Maybe you're here and you need to just let us know that you wanna be in a financial group next semester. You just need to pull out that connection card or send that email. Just let us know. 
Maybe that's a really tangible step that you can take. Maybe you need to start a budget or, but maybe you're like the sun and you're here and you, you've made some mistakes and you're in a bad spot, life's a mess. And you feel like so far from God. Before you do anything, let me just implore you. You need to get right with God. See, everything starts there with giving him not just part of your life, not just the part that you need him to clean up, but to give him everything. Because if not, if you don't do that, if you don't give him your entire life, like everything else is just behavior modification. And let me just tell you, Jesus didn't die on the cross for you to experience behavior modification. He died on the cross so that you could experience life transformation. And maybe you're here and you have never, ever given your life to God and you've never made the decision to follow Jesus. Or maybe you're here and you have before in the past, but right now you find yourself far from God and you've walked away from God. And today you just need a fresh start. And we never want to miss an opportunity for you to make the most important decision of your life the decision to follow Jesus. And we do this every week because it's so important to give people this opportunity every single week. And we're not gonna point you out, make you come forward or embarrass you in any way. But if that's you and you know that's the decision you need to make, you need to get right with God. Whether that's for the first time or it's all over again, I wanna lead you in a simple prayer. And if you wanna be included in that prayer in just a moment, I'm gonna count to three. And if you're here as a sign and a step of faith, say, include me in that prayer. I want you to raise your hand up in the air with every eye closed and every head bowed. If you're here and you know, I need to get right with God. Whether it's for the first time or it's all over again, I need to follow Jesus. I need a fresh start. If you're here and you need to be embraced by the Father, if you're here and that's your response today, on the count of three, put your hand up in the air boldly. One, two, three, if that's you, put it up high, put it up high, put it up high. I got you, I got you. That's awesome, I got you. That's great, I got you. That's awesome. You can put your hands down and pray something like this in your heart to say, Jesus, I need you. I'm sorry, I, I repent, I changed my mind, which leads to a change in my direction. I'm sorry that I've lived my life without you. Will you come live inside me? Will you do what I cannot do myself, no matter how hard I try? Will you change me? And will you make me brand new? I surrender my whole life to you. I give you my life, everything, every part, I give you my life. And Jesus, today I receive your grace. I receive your love. I receive your forgiveness. I receive a fresh start. And today I choose to follow you with everything that I have. We thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you for taking our place. Thank you so that we can live. We love you and we thank you for Jesus. And it's through him that we pray and everybody said, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this message has changed your perspective on God or life, feel free to email your story to info at queencitypeople.com. We'd love to celebrate the change happening in your life. We'd also love to pray for you. If you have any prayer requests, big or small, head over to queencitypeople.com slash prayer and fill out the form with as much detail as you'd like. For more information about Queen City Church's service times, location, or events, visit queencitypeople.com or follow us on social media platforms at Queen City People. 